My life's goal for 12 years was to be the guy that blows the whistle on Swiss Beats songs. Hey, you know, you know what I was thinking about? You remember on our last show at the Digital Bedroom, we said if we ever came back to the radio, we'd be like LSG. You remember that? Yeah. My body? Oh, yeah. You remember LSG? They were like, body. <laughs> God, I'm singing that whole song. That was <laughs> fucking perfect. Man, when Gerald LeVert. We don't even have to edit it in. We got it right here. Um, if you go to the Wikipedia page on LSG, um, the fucking, the funniest part of it is like history, like how they formed. And it's like, Keith Sweat gave Gerald LeVert a call and said that they should record a song with, uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, something oh, jo- Gill. Uh, Gill, Johnny Gill. Johnny Gill. Yeah, yeah. that's it. The, the, uh, they just called him up one day. I was just like, hey man, we should record a song with Johnny Gill. And that's, <laughs> that's and John, Johnny Gill, of course, was like the fail son of Three. Uh, New Edition. <laughs> right. Three. <laughs> Couldn't get Bobby Brown. <laughs> but we're basically, what I'm saying is we're basically LSG, three radio wash-ups on our way back to the top. On our way back to the top. <laughs> we're on our way back hey. to the top. <laughs> Nigga. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. X, what up? X, what up? Yeah, they all go to that, huh, nigga? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Shit, right out right here. Gotta get a good level here. Trying to get the level. I'm just trying to thread the needle here, you know. So I feel like a lot of what I've been doing lately, like news is so fucking crazy right now that um that like not only have I blown through all my like data, you know, limits. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like <laughs> thirty gigs over. I'm paying like six hundred dollars a month. Verizon's <laughs> got unlimited now. Uh, not only not, not only that, but um, every website I go to, uh, I like it's become a game of trying to hit, smash that motherfucking X button, stop loading button on the page on before the, the fucking bef- before the oh, yeah. before the paywall can come up right. <laughs> because I've used up my ten Does articles that work? a month. Yeah, on a PC, on a computer, it does for sure. Really? Yeah, you can't do it on a. On God, your, that seems like that seems like they could have. You can't do it on your cell phone, but if you have bad East Kentucky internet, <laughs> it takes forever to load a page, and it takes forever to load that paywall. And oh so if you just God. hit that X button, you Quick can enough. yeah you can stop it. <laughs> wow. And then yeah, unlimited access, baby. Yeah, that's oh. one of the only good things about having uh, shitty East Kentucky internet. Oh, wow. Anyways. You can also blame it when you don't do shit you're supposed to do. So it's yeah. Silver lining. Imagine how awesome that would have been in community college. It's like, I couldn't get on Blackboard last night. Yeah. Proof. Yeah, my internet. I mean. Internet's down all over the county, sis. What are you going to do? <laughs> Fucking Blackboard. Oh, I know. I, I literally felt my veins like pulse when you said those words <laughs> yeah yeah you it's had like a, a, a ptsd yeah, response yeah, to it yeah i don't like how that just <laughs> what happened to my body just now i don't like it <laughs> I, I, I once took a history of classical music class in two days on blackboard it's like a whole semester's class and like they didn't have any time limits for the exam so like i was you just like well fuck days. i ain't gonna do anything i did it all in two days <laughs> oh man i knew everything God. but chopin oh chopin um, Frederick fucking Chopin. Well, speaking of Frederick Chopin and bad internet, um, let's talk about Hillbilly Elegy. Elegy. Well, it's funny that I, I went to the library to check this out, actually, because I wasn't going to buy it. Um, and uh, <laughs> So you have the one and only copy for the Letcher County Library? Probably. <laughs> How'd you get bumped up the queue? Trash I felt, that I felt like thing. I felt like... Well, uh, I felt like... Uh, that was like a three-month waiting list for that. It was funny. Um, there was a um, there um, when I went to go, you know, borrow it, rent it out. I don't know what the correct terminology would be. Check I had, it out. Check you it out. out. Check it out. There you the go. Library. Check it out. You snowflake. <laughs> yeah. 
fucking frosty over here. I had a $38 late fee. Oh, brutal. You have to wait. Okay, once a year they have those mm. days. But see, so yeah, I like to support my local library. I just rack up those late fees. I'm like, I'll gladly pay that. You paid $38 to the library today? No, I didn't. You forgot to take back your uh, Charles Murray uh, <laughs> yeah, the bell collection. Um, so what we're here to do today is to roast this motherfucker to um to burn it to the ground i was i was thinking about that and i was thinking like how many times do you think he was called gay d vance in high school Uh oh Oh my god there's a really funny um story about that in this (laughs) i'll never forget the time i convinced myself that i was gay i disliked girls and my best friend in the world was my buddy bill I broached this issue with Mamaw, confessing that I was gay and I was worried that I would burn in hell. She said, don't be a fucking idiot. How would you know that you're gay? I explained my thought process. Mamaw chuckled and seemed to consider how she might explain to a boy my age. Finally, she asked, JD, do you want to suck dicks? I was flabbergasted. Why would someone want to do that? So, uh, since I rented it out, I couldn't, like, fucking highlight or, like, make notes in the book itself. So, I, like, filled up this entire notebook. That's something to add, you know, when my boss whipped this out of his bag yesterday in his office to show me a passage, like a goddamn Bible verse. Uh (laughs) He had, he'd marked it the fuck up. I mean, what he showed me was all underlined. He had underlined the whole fucking thing. He had the margins all marked up, and I was just like... I didn't know till y'all told me that weekend before last or whenever the hell that was that this was on the bestseller list. It was like the best-selling book of 2016 or something. I had no yeah. idea. So, like, that's one of the reasons why it's kind of interesting to talk about this, especially like, okay, especially since Trump won the election, um, and people will talk about this book like want to understand Middle America or like or you know what I mean or they or they say like want to understand why Trump won. Mm-hmm. Well, check out this book. Yeah. You know, this is like. Jesus. Yeah, it's always on the top of the list for those kind of things. And so it's interesting to, like, examine why the fuck this particular book got so big when it did. Especially because it is such a lackluster, just sort of mediocre book. It's just a memoir. He's not a terrific writer. He's not a terrific writer. He, um... He... Yeah, there's nothing really compelling in it. You know, as a memoir... I was telling Tom, like, it's so weird that um, for the entirety of this book, like, not until, like, page 209 does he say anything about his own, like, sexuality. Like, and I'm not saying that's a weird thing in and of itself, but if you're telling your life story from the time you're a little boy... You, that's a huge chapter. You cannot Dude, miss that chapter in, in my your, life your story. Chapters one through seven are gonna be about me jacking off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Make me one. Make Dude, two. I, I was I was I was shooting blanks for like four years when I started rubbing them out. I, I did not. I was a good Christian boy. I didn't jerk oh, off. God. I had like wet dreams for like a year, and I was just like. I wish I could go back to that, actually. <laughs> that was the shit, man. The only down, downside to that is uh, your uh, chance of getting prostate cancer rise exponentially. Yeah, yeah. From yeah. what? Not jacking from off. Not, from uh, getting no release. You gotta, you gotta, s- sorry, we're, um. That's bound to be a, a cause of heart attack. <laughs> oh, God. It has to be. Kidding? Yeah, it happens. Um, people have heart attacks when they're jacking off. Nothing has to be w- well written anymore. Right. Nothing. Point Fifty Shades of Awful. <laughs> I mean, that's written terrible. Right, and right. My mom. That's the only book she's read cover to cover in her entire fucking life. No, you're, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. And she you read mean Sheila wasn't into Harlequin romance novels. No, she. I tried to. I've tried to redirect her cover. since since she's read this whole series, and she tried to make me read it after she read it, and I couldn't get past the first chapter. I was just like, Mom, this is garbage. I can't. I cannot. Hang with couldn't, this. Couldn't even get sexy with it. No. <laughs> even even the smut of which I am, I hold in high regard many a smut. Much a smut. Much a smut. Much a smut. <laughs> My mom loves it, that it was, shit. Yeah, it's complete garbage. You know the romance capital of Letcher County? The Jenkins Library. There's an entire corner. The section. 
There's an entire section of romance novels at the Jenkins Library, and it's in the back, darkest, secret, most secret corner of the library. This ain't by accident. This is fucking <laughs> by design. Go by design. You oh, go back shit. to the darkest corner of the, and there's a little table back there with chairs. That's that's my one of my my third office. Um, I have many offices across this county. <laughs> My my mom used to get on to me about listening to rap music, and I would shoot back with, uh, "Well, you read those Harlequin romance novels," and she said, "This these are good books." Then <laughs> by God, I caught her at work one day and picked one of them up and read a passage. It made me blush. Um, okay, this is something that I thought was a very interesting part of this book, where like, like he's going into his like experience with like Christianity. I just got to read this for you because earlier we were talking about how the mamma in this book cusses every fucking time she speaks and people find it hilarious. Do you want to suck dicks? That is the passage of the whole fucking book that my boss asked me to read to myself <laughs> like a Bible verse. <laughs> and I just looked at him confused like, okay, his mamma cusses. I don't get it. And he was like, isn't that funny? Yeah. <laughs> They're setting the bar for humor really low. I think this is what's central to these people's worldview. I watched watched my mamma try to shoot a man one time, but there was no bullets in the gun, fortunately, for everyone. That's funny. Well, there are stories. You got stories like so. That. There are stories like that in here, and this is and so. Well, this is an interesting part about this book. Like the guy. Okay, so JD Vance clearly, um, like had a pretty rough childhood. You know, if everything he says in the book is true, it, and I'm just gonna take it. Take you him. Can't dispute. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna he, question it. Where did he live? Where did he grow up? He grew up in Milltown, Ohio. Um, oh. So, okay, so his great-grandparents lived in Breathitt County. Oh, Route 23 boy, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, you know, this, this, this book has that, We've of heard course. heard it all before. Right. This book has the requisite, like, Route 23, like, I don't know. Um, but, um, but and so he, his great-grandmother uh, grew up in Breathitt County, and his grandmother left. Him and his grandmother, his grandfather left Breathitt County, like, after World War II, moved to Middletown, Ohio, and got a job at a steel mill and um his mom was a really bad drug addict um it sounds like his parents home was very like sort of like violent he attributes that to like east kentucky culture you know what i mean like appalachian culture inherent vibes right hillbilly culture like that's the thing he 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 sort of like he 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 tries to to basically say that that's like hillbilly code. You know what I mean? Like the reason they still act like that in Middlestown, Middlesboro, whatever, Ohio. It just follows that. Right, right. There's no like. Um, of course, there's a lot of talk of poverty in here, but there's no like real link between like poverty and behavior. You know what I'm saying? Right. His entire thesis is that like white working class culture is in decay. And um, it's not really the corporation's fault, although they share some of the blame. Yeah. It's really more of a result of like this sort of like moral decay in like sort of white middle America. Right, right. This sounds like the Harry Cottle angle to me. No, exactly. It's definitely in, exactly. in the Harry Cottle playbook. But where it gets, I think, particularly sinister, though, is that like there's a lot of talk right now about the white working class. You know what I mean? And um, after the election, like, they're this mythical voting block that is homogenous <laughs> and, like, you know what I mean? That is just, like, like they've... Somebody just dreamed them Right, right, right. That they Right, that they vote all the same and they face all the same hardships oh and that, like, you know what I mean? And J.D. Vent is totally, like, um, in this crowd of people that pander to the sort of, like, white <clears throat> working class. The WWC. (laughs) And um, it's interesting because, like, he had uh, set in on this panel at the American Enterprise Institute with Charles Murray. And holy shit, I tried to watch it. It I I, I saw one of the the YouTube videos. Charles Murray's like, It's so bad. I consider myself a hillbilly, too. Oh, Did you see that? Yeah, because he wor- he lived he lives in this like small working class town in Maryland or something. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a hillbilly. Nobody wants to drink the water. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Charles Murray, if you'll recall, wrote a book in the mid '90s called "The Bell Curve," in which he proposed he just was asking the question: 
are black people as intelligent as white people? He was just asking the question. <laughs> for, for a friend. He was just asking the <laughs> question. That's so innocent. Yeah. What an innocent question. And I really and truly think that, like, <laughs> when you look at it from that angle, that, like, that's what these people believe, like, I honestly, you know, and I told you, uh, it's coming with the big, the hot takes here, but there's not that big of a fucking gap between these people who just want to, hey, we're just investigating whether black people are as intelligent as white people. Yeah. And, like, Nazis who want to march in Pikeville. Like, that's, they're, just to ask the question whether black people are as intelligent as white people yeah. is literally to dehumanize them in the exact same way that the Nazis want to. Right. And so, I don't know, I just... Uh, that tank ain't too hot. <laughs> right? Yeah, I thought you were coming with the poppers. It the poppers one you brought us. I guess, uh... Well, I just... I, it's it's pretty hard. lukewarm tank. It's hard because, like, it is a very nuanced thing, but you don't want the sort of... T- you don't want the take to be, J.D. Vance is a Nazi, because then people won't listen to you. Right, yeah, that's... Yeah. But, like, the, 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 the really sinister thing here is what people like J.D. Vance and Charles Murray has always done is they've always just sort of couched their racism in this just, like, well, we're just... Mm. Asking questions, we're just—we just want to get to the science. You know, we want to understand why, why um, there's a wage gap between white people and black people. We want to understand why a lot of black communities remain in poverty and all this. You know what I'm saying? Because they can't question the sort of larger. I think that's what the conservative intelligentsia does. Is they they sort of um, present like like what you said. They you know they 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 put the the question out there as sort of like fodder for some sort of academic discourse and in the minds of people like these Nazis it legitimizes it you know kind of in the same way that if somebody that we respected the scholarship of were to say something we would put some some credence into it but this is I think this is what conservatism's always been yeah though you know what I mean yeah. like I said, you've seen this thing where Ezra Klein had this tweet and it's like I've been to CPAC a few times, and I respect right. conservatism as like an intellectual tradition, which Ezra Klein's a fucking An intellectual tradition. tradition. Right. Yeah. And it's like it's been the same <sighs> fucking playbook for yeah. decades and decades and decades, right? And so, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm reminded of that um, that uh, Tom Skaka piece, Donald Trump's a Republican. He, yeah, he's always been. Right. Right. And so these people have always been like like I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I know what you're trying to say. We treat this as if as if it's a new phenomenon, right? But like, but we also treat it as like a legitimate alternate viewpoint. But we when al- it should be squashed out. Exactly. We also treat it as it's this as if it's you're exactly right as right. if it's this intellectual tradition. Yeah, but even like, well, are you like a you know a Madisonian conservative, or are you more of a you know? Because of course, none of the questions are shit like. Why are black school-aged girls suspended five to one to their white peers? That's not the like they they actually don't give a fuck. They right. do not give a fuck right. why people's quality of life is the way it is. That's actually not what they care about. It is it is the neoliberal argument. It is individual failure. It's like if you can't and and, the, and here's the maddening thing about this book is that J D Vance acknowledges that. Like he says, it's it's wrong to sort of blame individuals for, or or that 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 is the sort of like impossibility of being a hillbilly that you like can't just blame yourself because like there's so much conditioning and messaging in society telling you that you're not allowed in certain spaces. But at the same time, his he does this really like I said before, he does this really like shady sort of, but very clever. Th- intellectual thing where he's essentially like by not taking a hard stance on any of that he can just sort of let it be whatever you what you know i'm just uh, asking these questions i'm just saying like maybe white people are experiencing like maybe it is their fault but maybe maybe it's maybe we hold them to too strong and, standards and maybe why he did this as memoir instead of right. like a social science right book. Yeah. but he's got his hand on the scales of one side of what he's asking right and that's why it's particularly like I think that's why this is so popular among not just conservatives but a lot of liberals right. too because like they which is how I would classify my boss right liberal Lib- oh, head to toe wall to wall and a lot of liberals 
I mean, a book doesn't get to be the number one on the New York Times bestseller or whatever if just conservatives <laughs> if read it. If conservatives are buying it. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Because there just aren't that many. It's like... I should know but, this, but what did this fucking guy do before he wrote this stupid book? Uh, he works this, for a venture venture capital group ran by uh, Peter Till uh, in dude. California. I had like, the, look at the acknowledgments on the back. It's like a, like a veritable who's yeah. who's list of fucking oh terrible. Uh, a writer from the National Review. My funniest part about reading this is that, like, as I said, there are some really sort of harrowing stories in here, some really crazy stuff. Um, there's also just some absolutely absurd shit. Like, he says that... He became an amateur sociologist by like working in a supermarket and watching oh, how people <laughs> yeah, watching how people interact with one another because he's probably a sociopath and like <laughs> can't like understand human. <laughs> but so, but because it, it is so vanilla, like I came all I came away thinking at the end was like, um, like really, its only utility is to imagine uh, someone like Peter Till reading this and like. Because Peter Thiel is an actual psychopath. Like, oh, yeah, he's no, got to be no a psychopath. Like, how could so- someone like Peter Thiel read this and just be like, <laughs> You're right, JD. There's many problems with middle America. <laughs> I'll talk to my buddy Donald Trump. Like, he's such a wooden... You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, Peter Till is... What does he say? What, is, what does Peter Till say on the back of the yeah, he said, his blurb. He said, At least tend to see our... So- I want to read it like Peter Thiel because he's a fucking weirdo. <laughs> Elites tend to see our social crisis in terms of stagnation or inequality. J.D. Vance writes powerfully about the real people who are kept out of sight by academic abstractions. Oh, fuck off. That was the worst Peter Till impression. I I think, is Amy Chua, doesn't she give the tiger mom give a blurb there? The tiger mom gives a blurb. Who, mind you, is a person that wrote, literally wrote a book about superior cultures. (laughs) Like, remember she was like, like, Cubans are like the most superior in the Latin world and like Vietnamese and and Chinese in the Asian world. and and, And that's the thing. So, like, he's got that endorsing him. Peter Thiel, who, you know, um, I don't even want to get into how fucking insane and, and a man who literally he is. drinks the blood of children. <laughs> yeah, and then um, Charles Murray, which is it's really concerning then that so many liberals um, that this was able to get past that sort of screen they have. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm sure a lot of liberals out there have those sort of like filters where they try to determine whether something is conservative or liberal or whatever. And this just like is so centrist. But panders to some of the most reactionary and like sort of um, violent uh, beliefs and ideologies in American culture. Oh yeah, totally. that it's very um, it's very disturbing that it's like that it is so popular and yeah. that it has become a sort of like blueprint or map or something with which to understand the Trump phenomenon. I think, yeah, I think you're right, and I think also that it's a little easier. And a little accessible for liberals when you're talking about like poor whites, for them to like, yeah. you know, because like, I mean, you know, we talk about like these are the people that put Trump in office and all this, but like, we knew how a lot of people in rural America were going to vote like well before they even voted the way they did, right? And so, like, gosh damn. You guys looking at me. Sorry, no, no, <laughs> no. 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 We'll, sh- we'll do a lot of editing on Saturday. <laughs> We're just really dialed in, man. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for me. Yeah, I was just thinking, I was, I was surprised. But I, there was this sort of, I don't. I hate to use words like liberal elitism for fear of sounding like fucking Donald Trump, but that would never fly if um, uh, somebody were writing about... Poor POCs, you know what I'm saying, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it like for like uh, upper crust white liberals, yeah. it's it's okay to like. I see exactly what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Basically, Charles Murray's whole argument was that like black people remain an, a, a quote unquote pr- oppressed minority in this country because of some deficient. They are behaviorally and cognitively and genetically deficient. Right. And he what what J D Vance is essentially doing is he's kind of taking Charles Murray's argument and he's transferring it to the white working class right and and it's kind of um the the white work the white exactly again this sort of like monolithic mythological voting block that and i and i'm not saying that because you know 
that isn't exactly what he's saying, and I'm being hyperbolic just for the sake of being argumentative. But he, at the same time, is he just sort of like floats that out in front of you just to say like he's just like why couldn't my mom stay off of drugs you know what i'm saying like why why was my family so violent towards one another like why were we so self-loathing and all this you know what i'm saying like it the the answer to those questions was never capital it's never capitalism right you know and i'm and i and i hate to use capitalism as a sort of like monolithic like whatever but it is you know it does it is interwoven in every single part of our lives. Yeah. It's seeping through the pores of our bedrooms. <laughs> it's up in our panties. It is. It is. Maybe that's why J.D. Vance didn't write a single fucking thing about sexuality or anything like that. Until oh, well, which brings me to my next question. He didn't think it would, his book would sail that way. <laughs> J.D. Vance never been fucked, has he? Well, <laughs> so, like, I kind of... He adopted up... his children. Well, okay, okay. Here's oh, another thought. I hate this. I hate, I hate that I'm, like, blowing out the hot takes here. So I think that um, sexual pa- your sexual pathologies are very central to your political I- ideologies, and I think that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to reckon with that. I mean, it makes sense when you know, most anarchists I meet are polyamorous and all this shit. It's like there's a lot of right. And 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 what are the Nazis like? They're incels or volcels. You know what I mean? I don't even know what that means? Like they're involuntarily celibate. Or they're just celebrate, celibate really? voluntarily. Are they? How Nazis do they... don't get fucked. Otherwise, they wouldn't be Nazis. <laughs> yeah. How do they plan to? Pro- how do they plan to like expand their ideology? <laughs> I don't get it. Well, um, they're not even gonna fuck. Levin's realm, living space. Yeah, don't you have to create more little Nazis? Mm-hmm. I guess in that same vein, you don't need any advanced degrees <laughs> to look at me and realize I used to finger girls named Crystal in oh, Whitesburg swimming pool. And on the back of the church van. <laughs> I think I also think the timing of the release of this is sort of curious because, like, it came right on the heels of Kevin Williamson. Is that right? Kevin Williamson's big white ghetto piece in the National Review. Yeah. Who, who the guy who gave a blurb for this uh, Works obviously with. had to sign off on right. to, to print, right? Right, right. I feel like this, uh, the whole J.D. Vance project was like maybe to smooth things over with the white working class, you know, on the heels of that, like, hold on a second, Kevin, let me give you some reasons why that is, but, you know, it's also like sort of intertwined with, well, your life's shitty because you're naturally deficient, corporate taxes are just too low, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and so I don't know... You know, if that's, you know, actually the case, but I think the timing of it is, uh, again, pretty... It it definitely, the timing of it, people wanted to have this conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like, otherwise, that Kevin Williamson or whatever piece wouldn't have appeared. People have wanted to have, have this conversation ever since Donald Trump entered the race and started becoming so popular like yeah. he did. And the Kevin Williamson thing wasn't the first. It was just kind of the most vile of all of them. Right. Know, but... I think it goes in cycles. It wasn't the first, but it was definitely the first in a while of conservative critiques yeah. of of working class um, sort of Rust Belt communities. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it was the it was like I don't like the conservatives don't really like parachute in very often into no. East Kentucky and shit. Like that's like liberals. That's their shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how um, these like academic white liberals feel some type of they they it's like they have they feel some sort of legitimacy to come in and help poor white people or like blend themselves in I, I have a whole theory about this being the whole beginning of mountain justice and this whole yeah. fucking wave of strip mining uh you know parachute yeah that was kind of like the style point. mtr mountaintop removal yeah. activism it's like oh 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 we have this what's the word it's not legitimacy it's like i don't know they uh well um it's like a higher knowledge <laughs> i don't know it's like you're tapped in they're more enlightened <laughs> i yeah. don't know i see what you're saying i absolutely see what you're saying it makes more sense from the liberal psychology because um the conservatives all they're really concerned about is pulling yourself out by your bootstraps stacking that paper and stack, while, while and stack, you're pulling your bootstrap pull. exactly and stacking your paper but liberals <laughs> like i think 
a key component of the liberal psychology is never permanently fixing any problem because so you can stay in a job so you can stay in power <laughs> so that the liberal psychology remains dominant right like yeah and like saying that they love white working class people or that they like have all this understanding of white working pl- class people is really them uh working around having to say that they're scared of black people <laughs> that right they're fucking terrified of black and brown people exactly it, and, and it's yeah and that's why we've got a fucking that's why we got to beat the liberals. <laughs> Just like we've got to beat the conservatives. That they're not our friends. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish, you know that passage you read where he was like, I was afraid I was gay one time. I wish there was another one that he was like, I was afraid I was a welfare queen one time because <laughs> after t-ball practice, I let my coach buy me a Frosty and I never gave him the $1.72 back. So I went to Mamma and asked her about that, and she's like, you don't never take nothing from nobody, you know? And I, you earn it yourself. Oh, shit. That is like, that, uh, we need to talk about that for a minute, because I don't think this is like a hillbilly thing. I think this is like an Ohio person thing. Like, J.D. Vance is really, not the archetypal hillbilly, he's really the archetypal fucking, like, bread dough-ass fucking white Ohio guy. Like, I'm saying, like, if he, he didn't go to Yale Law School, he would have been wearing fucking jean shorts and an Ohio State coach's polo. Pastel colors. Yeah, not a <laughs> doubt about it. And well, he, he would have been, like, in middle management at, like, Meyer grocery stores, uh, like, corporate office. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Well, and here's, okay, so here's another interesting thing is that, like, throughout the entire first half of the book, um, well, throughout the entire book, he's saying that he grew up poor. But there is also another passage in here where he's talking about how his mother, uh, his mother was a nurse and his stepdad had a pretty good uh, salesman job or something like that. He was making over a hundred grand. Like his family as a whole, their net income was over a hundred grand when he was a kid. And I was just like, thirty years ago, how old is this motherfucker? Well, um, he's our age. He's like 34, 33, so this 34. Was a little bit older than twenty us. years ago. So like. Point, years ago. point being That's is that he money. he didn't grow up poor in the sense that like a lot of people in this country grew up poor. He grew up with like he grew up under people who grew up poor, which is what was was what happened to me. Like my parents grew up very poor. You know what I mean? But right. I wasn't. I didn't grow up poor. I grew up working class. Right. And like, and I think that. He, but again, here's another example when she blurs the lines between like what it means to grow up poor and what it means to grow up working class. He sets a definition, doesn't he? Yeah, that's kind of like yeah, like in monetary terms, like, and he considers that growing up poor. Right. 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 Yeah. Wow. It's. And it, but again, you know, and he gets he gets into like when I was working as a store clerk, you know, becoming a uh, amateur sociologist is like people would come in all the time, like gaming the welfare system. You know what I mean? Like gaming the welfare, gaming the welfare system. system. Like that Jeez. just pisses off old JD more than anything. Is like watching poor people like. Poor people try to try to find an angle, just like those fucking bloodsuckers he works for try to find an angle. You know what their angle is, though? They fucking try to fucking... Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad at JD. <laughs> Which is a funny... I can't help every time we say JD that this whole, his writing persona. Oh, yeah. Do you think he even grew up being called JD? Is that in the book they refer to him as JD? He what did... if it was like James or some dumb shit? Uh, I think that is his name or something. I'm sure. Jimmy? Like... <laughs> Jim, Jim? Jimmy Dan Jim Vance. Jim Vance? So there was this like one sentence that I wrote down. One way our upper class can promote upward mobility, then, is not only by pushing wide public policies, but by opening their hearts and minds to the newcomers who don't quite belong. And like basically what he's saying is that like, he felt a little bit of discrimination when he went to Yale because he was out of his element. And basically what he's saying that, like, public, you know, it is a very sort of liberal centrist, like, uh, ideology. It's just like public policies, you know, we could talk about this all day. But really what needs to be happening is rich people need to be a little bit nicer to the working class people who are on their way up. Which, in as we know, there are fewer and fewer of them in this country right, right, right. now. We want a hand up, not a hand down. Yeah. And then the working class need to uh, cultivate personal responsibility to do the upper class a solid so that their tax dollars don't have to pay for their food. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that is the sort of, like, 
I don't know. I feel like that is just like what sums him up to a T. You know what I mean? Like he can't ever take a hard line or anything. But I just want to like point out like the absolute like I just think that it's so despicable that like he like writes this very sort of like vanilla like sort of mass marketed memoir and he'll just occasionally cater to Charles Murray who is this fucking heinous like just I don't know he is a ghoul you know yeah, what I mean like he, he is a ghoul. he is just Yet on the back of this book, he's called an utterly original new writer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- I just th- it's a very um, I think it's a very necessary thing to talk about why this book is so popular right now. And I don't know, maybe we really we maybe we got at it, maybe we didn't. I'm not sure. I don't know. Here's my question: Do you think that? Um, what's the head Nazi motherfucker name? What's his name? Uh, like Matthew, ha- who? Steve Bannon? Oh, Spencer. No. <laughs> we just threw out. Steve Bannon? Steve Bannon. You gotta be more specific. We don't need to name Nazis. Adolf Buckle. Hitler. Well, well the, thing, the thing is, used to, used to, you can narrow it down to like Hitler, and like Joseph Mengele. Now there's like a laundry list of these Nazi number seven. This motherfucker don't get a name. Nazi number seven, who's leading the traditionalist worker party, who's planning all this shit. He's got the Southern Poverty Law Center right up his ass with a live blog about whatever fucking move he makes. Do you think he has read Hillbilly Elegy? You think that's why his ass is down here pretending to knock on doors in fucking coal run? Like, we believe that bullshit. No, that is a great question. Because, like, I truly, and I truly think that to some extent, probably, yeah. If he hasn't read it, he's at least. So, one of the reasons I think this book became so popular as it is now is because another one of his central theses is that we are a culture in crisis and that and, and then particularly what you know he talks about uh it's a crisis of masculinity this coming from a guy that definitely enlisted in the u.s marine corps to ask yeah. wage that fucking insecurity. and doesn't talk about his sexuality in any, in way, any way for 200 fucking pages yeah. <laughs> which is like again very central to your political ideology anyways go on no, 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 you hit it what I was getting at. I think, J.D., if you're out there, you need to come in and talk about your fuck game a little bit. Yeah, I know. I, I, it's weird that I'm so obsessed with that. I would love to interview you on Feminist Friday. I just want to know, he's out there getting laid, bro. I'm sorry. It makes it sound like I'm really overly fascinated with, you know, concerned with his sex life. I am. But you, you're, you you're exactly right for that reason. Like, yeah. um... That, like, it is a crisis of masculinity as well. Um, and, again, he'll diagnose this, but he'll get to know uh, underlying sort of pathologies. Right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I don't even think that should be limited to the to fucking uh, the hillbillies. I think, like, there's a crisis of masculinity all over this country. It's In like, America. Right, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's no accident that, like, fucking, you tune into NFL football and they're trying to sell you fucking dick pills in a Ford truck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like... It's fucking, it's, it's insane, and it's very dark in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've noticed something, which is pretty common among most people, is that a lot of people have a really hard time being vulnerable, showing weakness. And I think that a lot of people can't admit to vulnerability and can't do the kind of self-examination that um, that uh, usually results in weakness. You know what I'm saying? Right. To self-examine yourself is to be vulnerable. So I want you to keep that in mind. Put a tab in that for a second. Just put a fucking a little bookmark of that. Just pin it. Pin it. So then what you have is you have a bunch of people in this country who have... You know, and again, this is just what I've experienced and what I've noticed reading in this book, which I, again, one of the reasons why I actually kind of enjoyed reading this was because I shared a lot of experiences with it. But a lot of people, like, they... Are we, are we preparing ourselves for a popping hot plate? Yeah, I'm getting it out. Oh, let me buckle up. I'm getting it out of the oven. I'm getting it. I'm putting my, my oven mitt gloves on. He, he can't get his uh, uh, his seasoning just right on it before he's going <laughs> to serve it to us. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Get I'm trying to powder out. I'm trying a few different things. I'm trying a few different things. So, like, a lot of people in this country have been raised with this very moral value system um, that says, like, follow all the rules. 
you can't mess up if you mess up there will be consequences there are consequences for breaking the rules terrence you cannot break them <laughs> like you the, God and damn i didn't know this is what we we're signing <laughs> up for <laughs> well and a lot of this is what a lot of like working class families in america are like that is their sort of like moral framework so you have those people and then, though, on the other hand, they see all this shit happening around them where people aren't ever held accountable. Like, no one was ever held accountable for the, for the Iraq War. Nobody was ever held accountable for the 2008 financial crisis. Nobody's ever held up accountable for, like, environmental destruction. All this shit that they see happening. Yet AT&T is right up my ass about a bill I paid. Yeah. <laughs> I paid that we've shit. All we've all Call got... me again, bitch. <laughs> again $137 so, so I think that okay for you as a human being in this country to see those two realities to see the 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 reality that you've tried to implement in your home follow the rules there are consequences people must be held accountable to seeing on a mass scale that society doesn't reflect those go- vision or morals or anything at all, at all. Right. like no one is held accountable every within that is this sort of like within that cognitive gap is is a huge weakness and these people hate feeling weak they yeah. hate feeling vulnerable and so what you what do you do you have to patch it over with something fucking insane donald trump is literally the embodiment of that like again it is this fear of weakness and the fear of weakness is part of the crisis of masculinity yeah. anyways <laughs> the nazi guy though is aware that like people like JD Vance are also saying like we are in a moment of crisis and and what they're signaling in that is that like yeah like we're at a crossroads of several different crises like a crisis of capitalism and a cap and a crisis of like masculinity or patriarchy or whatever and that like people are confused and open to just about anything at the, right now people are sponges and, oh, yeah. and honestly talking about the, the white working class monolith like it's this voting block like it's even a thing it it reinforces capitalism it absolutely like gives it a leg to stand on to talk about how white working class is so different than black working like there is just a working fucking class right of exactly right. who <laughs> are splitting a dollar all of it right all of it. And right. disproportionately people of color yes for sure and to and to sl- to slatter this out like it's a fucking subway buffet <laughs> Uh, is literally just to prop this shit up exactly for so much fucking longer it keeps people from from dealing with each other from it, it, yeah. it's yeah. it is uh it's it's it it is the crisis of masculinity almost sounds it, like you're advocating for a class-based analysis tanya <laughs> again that's one of the, that's another thing that is like oh my god yeah it's uh we live in the worst possible we were living in the worst possible moment of discourse. Like, that is just such a fucking bullshit distinction. Like, class-based analysis versus race-based analysis. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's garbage. <laughs> it, it's all, it's, it's garbage. Right. We've always known that, but God damn it, the liberal media is really obsessed with it. It's just not what we teach each other. Like, we we aren't taught the, ac- the accurate history of mining wars here. We aren't taught ac- an accurate history of slavery. There's just like so much left out of what we learn in schools. Just we we do not learn more than we do learn <laughs> about our goddamn histories. Um, it, it's unnerving. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. You're absolutely right. And and people like the traditionalist worker party guy they see that that is um that that in this sort of like moment of crisis so to speak that that is a wedge with which to divide a certain you know what i mean to, as you said carve it up like it's a subway buffet and makes it easier for them to organize um because fear is a hell of a drug you know what i mean oh, yeah. it's um if you can I don't know, say that like your interests are in conflict with these other people's interests um, and that it's this sort of like games competition to make sure that, you know, you get more out of life than they do. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I, if you've ever talked to people, in my experience just at the local level and city government, if you talk about giving people making minimum wage or like eight bucks an hour or something <laughs> like that, low, low wage work, a raise, 12, 13, 14, 15 dollars an hour, the people... That this does not affect in any way, shape, or form that are making eighteen, nineteen, twenty dollars an hour, 
lose their fucking mind. Yep. And it's and I've never understood that for the life of me. I have a question, which is dragging us backwards. Sorry. No, it's okay. This isn't elevating this conversation. No, but it's not. It's not a li- linear. Is is there <laughs> is there a Nazi uh, sect or whatever the hell in Germany still? Is there like is that a thing in Germany? <sighs> Are they are they planning fucking Nazi conferences in rural Germany right now? <laughs> I, I want to know this because the, here's the reason I ask is because one of our friends just went to Germany for this like weird political tour to like meet with these fucking whoever the fucks the who's who of some green party over there yeah. some shicks they've got a ton of fucking parties over there yeah um and uh, ton of parties yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the parties, yeah, and parties, parties work and... <laughs> and and the and they're basically like, oh yeah, the uh, curriculum in our schools around the Nazis is like probably the most comprehensive curriculum we have to be sure that that shit doesn't happen again. Right. Like we talk about every fucking thing that fucking happened, and kids know what the fuck happened. Right. During this history of their of their lives of their of their schools, no one is getting the 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 fucked up history of how we've colonized the whole fucking planet, yeah. how we were built by on the backs of black women mostly, mm-hmm. black people. It, we don't get any of that, and that is, and and that that has to be inherent to why we're having a fucking Nazi conference in our goddamn state park. Yeah, in a fucking state park that I am paying for. I mean, I'm getting a tax return, so technically I'm not paying for it. But somebody <laughs> is fucking paying for that fucking park. <laughs> oh shit! No, you're right. I mean, like as a, like as a society, we have never comprehensively rejected. Um, uh, our sort of Nazism, like Confederacy conservatism. You know what I mean? That's never yeah. been that's never been a rejected ideology so in this country. No, know? it's been presented as a valid counterpoint. Like, right. I saw this thing yeah. today that like some an, an intellectual tradition. Yeah, some legislator in some legislator in Texas has introduced this bill to talk about slavery in public schools as like an aside to the Civil War. Like, right, it's just like kind of this like yeah other detail you know that doesn't need. I, my no. my boyfriend is in school. At, he'd probably kill me for telling this, but he is in he is in an African slave trade class at UVA Wise, mm-hmm. and he is sitting on my couch this weekend reading this little fucking book of essays, and he's having to write a paper on every essay. Yeah. and I just glance over into this book, and it says, uh, "Civil or slavery." Um, it says economics, not racism, basis of slavery of slave trade. And I said, what the fuck are you reading? <laughs> I said, what the fuck are you reading? He was like, oh, it's just this essay I have to write for my class. And I was like, that is the biggest hot wad of garbage I've ever heard. Google that fucker's name right now. Google that fucker's name. Do you remember his name? Eric Williams. Eric, Eric fucking Williams. Williams. I, said, I said, that's bound to be a white motherfucker. Eric. Why the fuck are you reading an We're coming essay? after your ass, dog. Uh, Eric, and he Googled Eric Williams, and the first guy that popped up was black, and so I was like, well, fuck. And he was like, no, this isn't him. Not the point guard for the 97-week <laughs> course, Demon Deacons. <laughs> Not bad, Eric Williams. <laughs> That's it. So he like couldn't figure out who the Eric Williams was because UVA wise in this African. I mean, I'm impressed they're having an African slave trade class, honestly. But in this fucking UVA wise class, they've got him reading essays by probably white dudes. We never could find. He's so we couldn't even find a picture of this piece of shit because he's so he's literally he's so ungoogleable. He's, he's, he's so white. Ungoogleable. You can yeah. Google my ass. He's you so white. Me. He's transparent. Yeah. He's invisible. He's, he's invisible. A fucking gun. <laughs> You, your whole essay needs to be about how what a hot water garbage this is. Yeah. And, and how you want your money back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't believe it. And he was just, you know, he's just like fucking academics mode. So he was trying to get his fucking paper. He don't give a damn. He's it's just, Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's true. I think that that has, um, I think that <laughs> obviously if we uh, actually taught our children in this country American history, we would not be at the crisis we're at. Um, I don't know. Maybe capitalism would all would still be at the crisis we're at. But it just seems like Donald Trump is the sort of representation of like eighty different <laughs> crises, like converging in one Does, fucking place. I'm I'm not sure. JD has precious little to say about the legacy of the company town. 
and corporate colonialism and the mountains and all this and kind of stuff. Like, how do you that? how do you write a book called Hillbilly Fucking Elegy without? I'll tell you why because you live in that. Ohio. Yeah. Because you live in Ohio. Right. right. You live on the periphery. You know? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, like, there's a lot of disgusting shit in here, like, um, that is really annoying. Like, he, um, for example. I'm not going to be able to find it, but there is this one sort of um, anecdote he gives about his, like, uncle getting into a fucking chainsaw fight or some bullshit with another guy, and another guy didn't rat him out because... That's the code, He'll build code. That's what he said. He'll build code. <laughs> this is just like... The cops don't protect people. We all... Like, for the history of time, still, here we are today, the cops don't protect people. Right. Why would yeah. we be calling them? Why would we... What, right. What? Right. It's just like... It's, yeah, exactly. It's called growing up in an oppressed community. Where the cops where the, lock you up. Yeah, they where the cops... escort you home. Right, right. But to J.D. Vance's dumbass, like, doughy ass who grew up in Ohio... That's he'll be the code, baby. That's, that's the code, man. <laughs> it's like they the Sopranos, that, man. Listen, listen. That's they what they do, dude. Right. That's these these people who are not hillbillies, but they're like, it, JD's not even like like he's like the grandson of diasporans, like the Route Twenty Three people. Like, right. He's not even like right. his parents aren't even right from there. And you know he may have been born in Jackson, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but. And I feel like this is, this is arguably why this motherfucker remembers all this wild ass shit, right? He's not writing the boring shit that happens every day around. He's not, he he wasn't writing the boring ass shit that his parents were right. doing for him or that his grandma was doing for him because that he didn't see any of that. Right. He didn't see any of the normal ass grocery shopping exactly. and shit that people are doing. Right. Like, because the crazy shit is trauma. It's traumatic, and yeah, you remember all, it. That's <laughs> all he's soaking up because his little doe ass is coming down from Ohio. <laughs> Right, and he right. can't wait to scurry back right. to school. Have some kind of fantastical yeah, story to tell. Yeah, right. and tell you. I mean, I, when I go, when I was going to school, I was making up tales about how big the snake was in the yard. I saw. I wasn't talking about how my aunt <laughs> yeah. whipped my I, stepmom's ass. I was ass. making up exactly. tales. Exactly. <laughs> well, and and so and and that to me gets at the sort of like. Um, <sighs> fungibility uh, if that's of the word hillbilly it's just like I can read a book like this and I didn't grow up in East Kentucky but I can identify with a lot of the things in it but like it would be a totally different step if I then wrote a fucking memoir about what it means to be a hillbilly because I've lived in you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's just like here's my question to JD did his okay his mamaw raised him yeah. Who who are I, I haven't read this fucking book. I got better shit to do. Who, who <laughs> hey, you know, I, I sadly don't. <laughs> who in this book that he is accountable to is still alive? Did he get a fucking phone call? If I wrote this shit, if and I wrote his man dead. If I wrote and, and published this shit about about the worst parts of my of family. Of my family. Do you yeah, know yeah, what that's I some would snitch be shit. Alive. This that's is some snitch that's some shit. snitch he's shit. Snitch. He's, he's, he's dry snitch. He's a dry snitch. snitch. Yeah. Yeah. My mom called him. He like unwittingly broke the code he's like propagating. <laughs> What a dumbass. You're right. You're so my, fucking right. I, I once called my family poor in like a thing that I had to do or, or like first generation college student shit and my mom was there and afterwards she fucking cussed me out yeah. for calling us poor in front of all these people and I was yeah. like, we grew up in a trailer. We were, yeah. My fucking first car I drove was repossessed and she was just like, we had more than all, most people. Like, you know, she he, like lost her mind. Yeah, no, like he really um, rips into his mom here. Which is like, Fuck you, which is know. fucked up, and like you know, I'm like she's a heroin addict by the end of the book, and he's basically like aired all of her dirty laundry in this motherfucker that got like millions Where and millions. Where is she? Where is she? I want to go visit her and fucking buy her a t- cup of whiskey yeah. or something. Some and just crazy, be like, some crazy herbal shit. Tea. I was yeah, yeah. I, like, I want to buy her ass a drink. Like she did not. Moms don't deserve they, this shit. They don't. And J.D. Vance needs his ass kicked. Literally, one time my mom woke up and looked across the street and the word snitch was right across the tailgate of a truck. And she called me worried as shit. Like, they're going to shoot out the neighborhood. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Mom, if they were going to shoot out the neighborhood, it would have been shot up. That was a warning sign. Somebody needs to give J.D. Vance. This is your fucking warning sign. This is your fucking warning sign. This is your fucking warning They find people like you in holes in the real mountains, pal. Yeah. Bullhole. <laughs> bullhole. Yeah. yeah. Bull hell yeah, bull baby. 
bull come hole, back from there. Bullhole gang. That's if what you we don't are. know what, what the bullhole is, then you ain't really you East Kentucky. Ain't no <laughs> you ain't no goddamn hillbilly. I'm so glad you didn't read it because if you would have read it. I mean, it just seems like we were really like setting it up for that. You know, we really teed it up. Nah. Every, every for you to come to that epiphany that this motherfucker is a, a snitch. snitch. <laughs> talk- I haven't read that book. I know he's a snitch. Yeah, yep, yep. You're talking God. about getting his ass kicked. This is just like everything about this guy's infuriating. <gasps> There's a wasp Holy shit! Get off! I'm allergic. I'm allergic. I don't have my ass kicked. <laughs> oh God! My- Live radio. <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> Dude, wasps love Tom. They fucking love him, and dude. They d- I, I saw Tom walk outside on, on a porch one time, and like seven wasps descended on his ass. It was it was insane. <laughs> <laughs> they just That's fucking the sugar in your blood. They just lay off the porch. The wasps the wasp love Tom, man. Are y'all right? Yeah, I'm fine. So anyway, what I was saying about... So... Oh, yeah. shit. Uh, so I guess if somebody's going to whip JD's ass in this crew, it's not going to be me. It's going to be a wasp. It's going to be a wasp. <laughs> I got my epipen. <laughs> but the guy's so infuriating because, like, he, like, uh, insulates his shitty views in memoir that you can't challenge, right? Right. And also, like, on down that line, like, That's what I'm I want to, like, Take a beat his ahead. ass if he sent me, but he would so roll me because he's like a marine. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but dude, he didn't see fucking combat. He's sti- he's a valor stiller. He stills, he's a val- he stills valor. Dude, <laughs> I'm coming for some of that valor. No, <laughs> no, he really didn't see combat. He was like uh, a journalist for like the Marines. He like went around to like their uh, fucking bases in Iraq and like. Probably I don't know. Wrote in his journal about what his uh, platoon mates looked like right. in their underwear. Yeah, he was I'm, in the Marines, but he didn't fucking see combat. But isn't the Marine Corps like the hardest? Uh, yeah, the training sounds hard. Training. The training. Oh, does he talk about it in the book? Yeah, he talks about it in the book. It's another boring. I skipped over a lot of passages, and I definitely skipped over the Marines passage. He didn't talk about getting fucked in the Marine training. <laughs> you know, his ass got fucked in training for Marines. Shit, maybe I need to go back and read it. Maybe he did mention his sexuality before page two hundred. It was in the Marines with uh, <laughs> Billy Badass. <laughs> and his bunk band. His fa- I won't say his real name, so I'll just call him Billy Badass. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, God. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, takeaways. Um, really toxic fucking mixture of liberalism and conservatism. Um, J.D. Vance is a fucking snitch. Uh, J.D. Vance is a, is a snitch <laughs> getting snitched. That's J.D. Vance is a fucking yeah, snitch. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and, uh, no. And a Nazi. And, and <laughs> a low-key Nazi. Low-key He's low-key Nazi. Yeah. He's a Nazi enabler. <laughs> He's enabling guys like that big head Weinbach motherfucker. You know, like who? That Weinbach. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. That's the guy yeah, we were I talking know this about. This type of dude. This is the type of dude. Like this big head motherfucker with a dicky dude that like <laughs> nobody liked in high school. He just internalized <laughs> all this. And uh, next show will be about Eric Williams. We're gonna find his little fucking ass. Find your out ass. How the fuck he got a fucking essay. <laughs> how how people are paying to read his shit at UVA Wise over here. To square the circle, I got I got to know one. In closing, I got to know one thing. Open up his artist page there, Terrence. Uh, here, <laughs> yeah, his bio picture. Now, Tanya, I got to know. Listen, you just meet this guy on Tinder. Right? <laughs> First, that baby face, I'd smack him around good, <laughs> real good. I'll ask you a question: If he strolled into the bar on your old Tinder date, talking all this, I went to Yale Law School. I was a Marine. I'm a famous author. The Economist has written a lot of nice things about me. I'd probably take him home because I knew I could peg him. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, no. Um, well, I was going to ask if you'd, you'd just fuck him, but well, okay. I'd definitely peg this <laughs> guy. For sure. I'm coming for you, J.D. Vance. I'd, let's, if let's, you ain't been fucked, you about to be, Let baby. the record show. A pretty motherfucker. I would also. No, he ain't yeah, peg him. <laughs> peg him. I'll take care of his masculinity. Oh, shit. Well, um, circle I might, squared. I, I might have enough empathy for him to give him a little reach around, even. Aww. Aww. Okay, well, I guess we'll, here. we'll say goodbye to everybody if this is an actual podcast, which let's hope it actually makes it 
off the cutting floor. See you in hell, motherfucker. <laughs> I will say that I have been a part of recording. This will be my third podcast I've recorded in this very room that huh. never saw the light of day. Never it's cut it, never released <laughs> never it. Never got out. No, we'll no. Never, <laughs> never, never, never went anywhere. So Was it was the experience recording it? Does it feel like there's more energy? Like you know, like we're building towards something. We like, have the right stuff. You think we, we got the right stuff? Flat. You think we're just fall flat? I think we're gonna fuck up. Uh, I don't know. We were real drunk, so I mean, we're, we're mostly sauce. sober we're here. So. Yeah, we're yeah. sober, so I don't know. I am. I don't know. I just got off work, so <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck you two are doing. <laughs> A lot of speed. <laughs> A lot of speed. <laughs> now that uh, we know that we're gonna close with my body. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, definitely doing it. Uh, we gotta come up with an opener though. Uh, we'll figure something out. We got a lot of audio here. We got enough audio that we could probably do a cold open of some sh- some sort. Probably, probably the wasper bit is the way to go. <laughs> that shit is fucking hilarious. I go back to work. I can't get work. Maybe we'll just put this at the beginning. Yeah. Hey.